I be flying with the angels every day, yeah mm, I play this fool, but life is great, yeah. Ooh, I work 60 hours a day, man Yeah, I'm built to grind, it's my escape plan Ooh, it's way deeper than the What's up and welcome back to Life with Football. This is Kyle Smith, Platform Sports League. We're in episode number eight. We got things rolling along. Um, We had Coach Mike Brown, uh, wide receivers coach for uh, University of Cincinnati, come by and have a chat with the staff of uh, CE Stars here in Indianapolis. So we had a quick Zoom call. Um, Coach Brown is wide receivers coach at University of Cincinnati this season. Um, He had a heck of a playing career uh, down at Liberty University. I think All-American two years in a row. Um, went to go on for a few years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, where he pl- where he played wide receiver, and now he's in the thick of his coaching career. Started back up in 2016 for um, for Michigan as an offensive analyst. Went to Delaware in the Colonial Athletic Association as a offensive quality control, then back to Liberty as a running backs coach, and now made the jump, um, you know, to big time college football, University of Cincinnati. So the trajectory is just, uh, is just climbing. Coach Brown really gives, gives us some great tidbits, gives us some great knowledge and, and just sharing his journey with us as well as uh, diving down deep into the technical side of football, some some wide receiver work, some route running, stance, all that fun stuff. So you're going to get a mix of the story, the psychology behind the coaching profession, uh, working your way uh, in the profession and navigating your path, as well as uh, getting into the X's and O's and, and the technique of playing wide receiver. So great episode. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. We're going to start right up. Let's dive in. Appreciate it. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well, man. I know it's, it's kind of unprecedented times and we're all stuck in the house. Uh, I'm glad everybody is. Uh, I think you guys are doing a, a really good thing here. Seems like just from talking to Chris a little bit earlier, taking advantage, man, and, um, you know, just bouncing ideas off of people and asking questions um, and just just focusing on growing, man. So uh, I talked to Chris, man, and, and he wanted me to just kind of come in and uh, share my story a little bit. And then, um, you know, I'll tell you guys just a little bit about myself. And then I just want to kind of open up for questions and, and for discussion, man, because I feel like you guys will get um, a lot more out of that than me sitting up here talking about something you may not have any interest in. So, uh, so uh, my name is Mike Brown. I am from the great state of Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, born and raised there, went to Liberty University, which is also located in Virginia. It's about an hour away from Charlottesville, where I grew up. Um, played quarterback there and wide receiver. Had a good career. Um, and then I got a degree in finance. So I did business finance with a, with a minor in coaching. And then uh, graduated from Liberty in 2011. Uh, then I got the opportunity to play in the NFL Uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars for three years, 2012, 13, and 14. Um, And then I had a very short stint stint with the Carolina Panthers in 2015. So if you remember, that was the year they went to the Super Bowl. So I always tell people I was about one roster spot away from playing in the Super Bowl. I cut at the end of preseason. But uh, that was the end of my career. Um, You know, I learned a lot. 
Um, was surrounded by some really good people, and I had some. I was very fortunate in my entire career, from high school, through college, through the NFL, to have very, very good coaches um, at my position. Um, and I've gained a, a much greater appreciation for those guys now that I'm actually in the profession a little bit. So following that 2015 season, um, I got into coaching, and um, Jed Fish was uh, my offensive coordinator and. Jacksonville for one of my years there and uh, he had gone to Michigan so he was at Michigan as the pass game coordinator um, and quarterbacks and wide receivers coach and uh, so he called me he actually had called me twice the first time he called me was before that 2015 season I told him I wasn't ready to you know be done with ball and excuse me I ended up getting picked up uh, by the Panthers shortly after that and then Again, the following year after that season, so after the 2015 season, we, we talked again, and uh, he kind of told me the situation. And um, initially, I was coming out there to, to be a GA um, and was going to have a position. And then uh, kind of at the last minute, they ended up hiring a different person for a GA. So I ended up going up there literally just as a volunteer. Um, you know, I had it already set in my mind. I, I understood that. Transition in life, just in general, transition is tough, right? Um, but, I, but I gave myself, I said, man, I, I got to invest in myself. You know, I said, man, I'm going to go, you know, with a minimum of two years of saying, man, I'm, it's not about money. It's about learning. It's about trying to get my foot in the door and just meeting people and learning, 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 learning. So I went up to Michigan, thought I was going to be working with the, uh, with the receivers. I uh, ended up getting there and got working with the running backs. So I never played running back. Um, didn't know much at all about it, um, but I did know, you know, some protections and things like that just from playing quarterback in college and stuff like that. But um, so everything that I learned from that position, uh, I learned from Coach Wheatley, who's a, who's a great, great, great coach. And uh, he was a great mentor for me. Uh, so I had the opportunity to get in there. I came in there uh, Chris's freshman year, man. I had no idea who Chris Evans was. He came in there with that crazy haircut and them glasses on. And I'll tell you, man, first thing I remember about Chris is uh, we had some individual drills. And it was like, I think we were running through the bags, like one foot in each bag, two feet in each bag. And he might be the worst running back that I've ever seen go through those bags. And I'm like, literally, I said to myself, how did this guy get to Michigan? And he can't even get through these bags. And then about 30 minutes later, we got the team period. And I was like, okay, that's why he's here. He was out there making people look crazy. So, um, but it was a great, great learning experience for me, man. And I ended up staying at Michigan for a year. Um, and it ended up, you know, God works in mysterious ways, man. Ended up, thought I was going there to work with the receivers. Ended up working with the running backs. And then ended up getting my, my first job as a, well, I don't even know what they call it. It was a, uh, uh, restricted earnings coach at uh, the University of Delaware. So I, I got back with my head coach from college. There's an opportunity where uh, I was going to be making $16,000 a year, um, but coaching running backs. I would have my own room. I get to go out and recruit. And I was with a coach that I had a lot of respect for, and I knew I could learn a lot about a lot from. Um, you know, he had been just a, a really huge impact in my life. So spent the year there. And then uh, I, got, I got the running backs job there, so ended up working out great. 
Um, our offensive coordinator was kind of a legendary running backs coach as well. So I ended up learning even more and more and more. And then um, at the end of that season, I got my first like true full-time job at uh it was kind of weird but I went to Western Illinois University and uh got hired there in March and almost three months exactly later um I got a call from my alma mater and it was a position that I I couldn't turn down Uh, so I ended up at Liberty University that year um and that was 2018 and then I Came to Cincinnati 2019. 2018, we, you know, I knew I was kind of walking into a fragile situation. Um, Coach Turner Gill was there. I knew it was one of those seasons where we had to uh, win or, you know, we, we were probably going to be out. Uh, it was our first year moving from FCS to FBS. We ended up having a pretty good year um, going six and six and um, did not make a bowl game. Um, but uh, at the end of the season, I kind of out of nowhere, Coach Gill retired. So I uh, kind of sent everything into a frenzy. And um, Coach Hugh Freeze came in and took over, and he, he basically kind of brought in his own staff. And um, so I ended up getting the opportunity, man, uh, to, to come to Cincinnati. And again, man, you know, that's all God, man. I couldn't have, couldn't have planned that any better. So I'm just blessed, man. I'm going into my second year here at, at the University of Cincinnati, coaching wide receivers. Um, so I'm back at a position that I, you know, that I played, that I understand, that I love. And um, it's been great, man. It's been really, really good. Been through a journey, man. And I say um, at every single stop that I went to, even Western Illinois, I might have learned more at Western Illinois in three months um, just about myself and than, than any of the other stops. But, you know, I've learned so much at every single stop. You know, you go to Western Illinois. If, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been there. There is nothing there. There is nothing in Macomb, Illinois. There is no – they're not allowed to have chain restaurants out there. So, like, Golden Corral, things like – no, you can't have it. So, um, it's all – you know, you got fast food joints and, and local joints. Um, and, and they kind of – you know, it's nothing there but football. You know, and I met some really, really good people out there and, you know, gained a, a much greater appreciation for, you know, having the opportunity to live in nice cities and, um, you know, be at, you know, quote unquote, bigger programs and, and things like that, man. So it's a great perspective for me being at Liberty, man. Coach Turner Gill is probably one of the best men that I've ever been around, that I've ever met. Um, you know, just solid, good Christian guy, uh, you know, very, very faithful, great role model. Um, just can't say enough good things about him. And then obviously here at Cincinnati, man, I've had, uh, it's been a heck of a, heck of a time, man. We've had some really good um, seasons. We won 11 games last year, 11 games the, the year before. But most importantly, man, I've uh, been surrounded by some really good people. I got married last July. So my wife's out here. They take really good care of my wife. And, uh, you know, everything has been good, man. So that's a little bit about me, man. That's a little bit about my story kind of in a nutshell. But, um, you know, I want to, before I kind of open up for like any questions or anything, if you guys want me to go in depth a little bit more about any part of that journey, I will. But uh, I wanted to to kind of commend you guys, man, on, on exactly what you're doing. Man, You guys have a, a great responsibility in, uh, you know, coaching young men. We all do. Uh, I think you, you have them at a, at a very critical age, man. Um, I mean, we all 
understand the demographics a lot of times that we're dealing with where you where you have young men who don't have great home situations um and you know we end up being role models for them whether we want to be or we don't want to be uh, so just make sure you know you guys continue to to not take that thing lightly um and uh, continue to do the great work that you guys are doing man so appreciate you guys for for everything that you do man and i just want to encourage you guys to stay true man stay true to to what you do remember why you do it and um just keep pushing man so i, I just want to open it up man any any types of questions man, for you guys uh, you know anything about my career or just about whatever man i, I want to be kind of an open book and, and just have a little bit of discussion with you guys hey mike uh, Jason Reinhardt here. Congrats on your success and thanks for your time tonight. Just uh, had a quick question. I have two boys myself, eight and 11, uh, but uh, specializing in your position as a wide receiver, uh, coaching, you know, at that age group, what, what are two or three routes that you would want to, to see mastered at that age as you continue to layer on and, and add different route trees and stuff like that to the program? What, what are two or three at the ages, like I said, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old that you would suggest to at least, you know, master before you keep adding on? Yeah, man, I, I would say um, a slant route, right? I think a slant, if you can run a good slant route, you know, versus any coverage at any level, um, I think that that kind of can dictate a lot about you as a receiver. Um, so slant route would be one. Um, another would be a curl route, um, just top of the curl, uh, the way that I teach it is is we get to the top of our route, put our foot in the ground, and we're coming straight back to the quarterback. Uh, we're not rounding it or anything like that. But uh, the reason that I say a, a curl route is because the footwork at the top of the curl route is the same footwork at, on any type of stopping route, right? So like any type of comeback, a curl, um, you know, pretty much a, a hitch route, um, you know, but that footwork is consistent on a lot of different routes. Right, the footwork on the top of the route of a slant, same thing if you're running a bang or a glance or a post, you know, you're still making a kind of 45 degree um, cut. Um, and then the last one would be, um, uh, I would just say a go route, you know, I would say a go route and, and just understanding, um, I don't know how much, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out of touch with the the younger football, but I don't know how much press coverage they see and things like that, but just learning to use their body, learning to uh, not get squeezed over to the sideline. I think um, all of those things are, are great. And then obviously learning how to track the ball in the air um, down the field, as opposed to it being a, a timing throw or a throw that's on the line. So those would be the three, I'd say slant, uh, a go route and a curl. Thanks coach. Appreciate it, man. Dom. Anybody else? Questions? Oh, man, y'all can't let me off this. Coach Fred, hey, yeah. hey, Coach, I wanted to ask you a quick question about uh, if there's any good books you're reading or any other coaches. Uh, I know everybody kind of does everything a little bit different. Uh, Route-wise, is there anything you're looking into uh, changing route-wise or anybody or any offenses you've been reading into? You know, I've been <clears> – this <throat> this during this time right here, man, it's been really good for me. I've really been um, – getting hopping on these zoom calls just like this and, and having conversations and just trying to find like there, there's things I'm, I'm very passionate about the way that I teach uh, Ross because I was a quarterback who had to learn how to play receiver 
like at the highest level against the best people in the world, right? So I had to really learn technique and I had a coach that was very adamant about technique. So again, I was blessed with a great coach. But at the same time, I don't want to be a person that's kind of stuck in my ways. And, you know, that's how you let the game kind of pass you by and things like that. But um, I've really taken this time to really focus on releases, man, and um, and more so hands at the line of scrimmage and, and different hand movements um, and things like that and, and trying to study and see what's what's best. I think the biggest challenge for me has been um, – you know, in my room, I got <clears throat> I got one receiver that's five foot seven, one hundred and sixty pounds that can that ran a ten four hundred meter dash, and then I got another guy that's six foot four, um, bigger dude that doesn't have a lot of twitch, and I got to train both of those guys in a five minute or ten minute individual period, right? So trying to find something that's kind of universal that I can teach off of. But then, you know, kind of pulling them to the side here and there as we go. So I've really been trying to focus on, man, what, what are the, the different hand movements and um, hand play? And, you know, do you really want to use your outside arm on, on when you're swatting the guy's hands off of you? Or do you want to just use your inside arm? Or, you know, how, you know, because I had this big thing where in practice every single day, our guys are up in your face, jamming you, just physical at the line of scrimmage. But then in the game, we I think we saw one team that really played true, like, hard press coverage. So I'm like, well, I'm spending all this time teaching releases, 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 which, I mean, you got to be prepared for. But how many times are we really seeing that during the season? You know, um, is my time better served elsewhere with my limited 10 minutes? So um, just learning, man. I'm, I'm always trying to learn new things. The biggest thing for me, though, has been uh, – releases man and, and hands at the off the line of scrimmage and you know lessening your surface area um using more of your inside arm to get the guy's hands off of you than your outside arm and things like that so hey coach brown this is coach scott here uh thanks again for your time uh so i coach some of the younger groups so 12 you so 11 12 13 year olds you know if if you were limited to let's say one day a week maybe 45 minutes dedicated for your receivers, you know, what would be some of the main things that you would look to introduce and, and what that progression would look like? Yeah, stance and start. I, I start every one of my practices with stance and start. I have a drill where I'll get, say I'm on the 50-yard line, right? I'll have them all lined up across the 50-yard line. The first guy I have on the ball, the next guy I have off the ball, the next guy is on. So every other guy is on the ball, every other guy is off the ball. Um, and what it forces them to do, so so kind of the train of thought behind it is, all right, they get up there, they got to get lined up, they communicate with the official, they look to the sideline say, hey, I'm on, I'm on, or I'm off, I'm off. And then they get their stance and they're looking in at the ball. And I send them one at a time. It's rapid fire. I'm, you know, I'm just going snap, 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 snap. And then, you know, Scott, guy going, guy going, guy going. And all I'm looking for is no false steps, right? No false steps, rolling over that first step, and they're bursting out five yards, right? So that's the very first thing I do every single day of practice because I think um, a lot of times it gets overlooked, right? You can't get enough reps of, of good reps of just focusing on stance and start. Um, so I'll do that, and then uh, I'll go down and back with that. And then I'm always working some type of top of the route, right? So I have one that where, like I was saying about the importance of the curl route, 
because I believe a lot of the routes that we run, so we run a 12-yard curl route uh, where we're coming back to the quarterback. We run a 12-yard stop route where we're coming right back down, down our stem. We run a 16-yard comeback, you know. So a lot of those routes, are, or all the three of those routes, are very popular routes in our offense. So that all have the same footwork at the top. Yeah. So I work the crap out of those um, different ways. So I got one drill that I call big bag curl where I'm sitting like one of those big tackling dummies at about 10 yards and then another one to the side of it, about two yards from it. And the receiver will run up outside of the, the outside one and then come straight back to me in between the two, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Um, and what that does is forces them to get used to, to feeling the depth of the route because if they cut it short, they'll run into the first bag. And then making sure they're not rounding it at the top because if they round it, they'll run into the second bag. So I'll do that drill um, very, very often. Um, and then I'll work on, you know, a very similar drill where I'll go uh, speed turns um, where I'll set a, a bag at, you know, however deep, usually at 10 yards. And then another bag about two yards deeper than that. And they got to make that turn and get flat, you know, about two yards. So I'm working top of the route. So I'll go 45-degree cuts. All right, and I'll go those speed turns. And every now and again, I'll do some square cuts for because we use a square cut for our uh, slot guys on, like, 12-yard basic routes and things like that. So top of the routes. Um, and then, you know, I'd say releases. I would say releases. If I had to pick three things and say stance and start, releases, and then top of the route variations. Um, I spend so much time on that. And then you'll get your catches, you know, just through doing those drills. But I try to get the majority of our catches and things pre-practice. Yeah. Get them out there, have the jugs rolling. As soon as they get out before practice even starts, I'm just shooting. As many as we can shoot, get them some catches. Because, like, this year I'll have 17 or 18 guys. So, I mean, we're going through a drill. And I got 10 minutes. How many balls is each guy going to really catch in a 10-minute period? Two, maybe? Three? You know? So try to get them as much as we can before and after practice. But um, but the majority of the stuff during practice, man, footwork, footwork, footwork. You know, and then releases, I'll mix it up. One day maybe press, the next day maybe, you know, about five yards off, like a going against a cloud corner or something like that, and just learning how to move a defender and things like that. Thanks, Coach. Yes, sir. Thank you. Coach Brown, th uh, thanks again for being here. My name's Kyle Smith. Uh, my question is really around your transition from player to coach. Um, as far as, you know, we were all players and thought we knew everything. I'm just curious, you, you walked into the coaching profession and just the hours behind it and kind of what you learned, what you picked up early that was important for you and maybe what surprised you about the profession. Um, so... I learned a lot, man. Like I said, I, I had played quarterback. I had played receiver. And then all of a sudden, I'm thrown in the running back room. So that's humbling right there, right? So you think you know a lot, and then you get in there, and you're, you're with a position that you have no idea anything really about, right? Um, so that was the number one thing. But as far as, you know, I think one of the bigger things that I learned was about being a coach. And that was just from having great mentoring by um, Coach Wheatley. And, you know, it's just small things about having the guys address you as coach, you know, because um, I'm so used to somebody saying, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, hey, Mike. And, and it's kind of weird when you first get into coaching. And, you know, I feel like, man, I was just in college a couple of years ago. These dudes are my age. And, you know, and um, 
sorry about that. But, uh, you know, so that, that was like one of the big things that I learned just about, you know, getting some respect, you know, earning your respect. And then, um, you know, you don't, it's, it's, it's a fine line between saying you don't know it all. Um, but then you also got to understand, like, you do know football. You understand what I'm saying? And, and my thing has always been to, if I don't know, don't try to fake it. Because they're going to know if you're faking it. Like, if I don't know, hey, I'm going to go ask. I'm going to go research it. I'm going to go find out. But if I don't know, I'm not going to tell you, you know, something that I don't feel comfortable in teaching. So I don't teach anything that I'm not comfortable with doing. That's why I'm doing so much research on these releases and things like that, because it's something that I ne haven't necessarily taught before or haven't necessarily done before. And I know I'm the type of person that's going to have to go out there and do the drills myself and feel it and, and do all those things so that I can feel comfortable teaching them. So I only teach things that I'm comfortable with. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Chris can tell you, you know, he asked me a question. If I don't know, I said, look, man, I don't know. I don't want to tell you wrong. You know, I'll get back to you. Um, but if I did know something, then, you know, I spoke it in, and I was confident in my delivery, stern in my delivery. Um, and then I think the most important thing, man, is relationships. I think relationships is the most important thing just in life in general. Um, but relationships with, your, with the guys, man, and that's, I think, when you have that good relationship with them, they respect you. Um, you know, they listen to you. They'll play hard for you. Uh, they'll do pretty much anything that you ask if they understand that you love them, that you care about them outside of football, that you care about them as humans. You know, Chris just told you, man, I see him walking around the hall, you know, doing something crazy. I'm going to say something to him. But he understood why I was saying something to him because we had built that type of relationship. So then when I tell him stuff on the field, he understands I'm, I'm looking out for the good of him. You know, yes, I had the – I was blessed enough to have the fact that I had just came out of the NFL, so that's going to grab their ear. But, you know, at the same time, you those relationships are very, very, very important. So I think those are some of the big things that, that I kind of learned early on um, and just, like, just soaking everything in, man. You can learn something from everybody. It doesn't matter who they are. You can learn – it might be something you learned it you don't like that you don't think should be done but you always look to learn always look to learn never too old to learn you don't ever you ain't never got it three most dangerous words is i got it once you say that it's all downhill from there coach i would love to hear a little bit more about um, some of the specifics you're getting into the release um do you have to how do you marry that timing aspect with the quarterbacks and you being a quarterback yourself uh knowing you can't dance forever um how do you pair those two yeah, man. So I'm I'm about efficiency, and I constantly remind my guys, if you ask one of my guys right now, hopefully they'll tell you, but if you ask one of my guys right now, we said, man, who are you racing? They should tell you that they're racing the defensive end, right? So they they, they got to have a mindset that, you know, in the NFL, it's, that dude that's playing defensive end is getting paid $9 million a year to come off the edge to sack the quarterback, right? So that's their best pass rusher so if you're sitting there dancing at the line for two three seconds he's four or five yards in the backfield right so having that kind of mindset um and sense of urgency at the line man is is key to always remind them of that um and sometimes if I see a guy dancing at the line and dancing at the line I'll freeze it and I'll show where he's one yard down the field and then I'll show a D lineman that's about two yards from the quarterback and I said what do you want the quarterback to do um so sense of urgency is big, man. And, and then with releases for me, what I've taught is, is I've kept everything very, very simple. Like I literally teach a 
um, single move outside, a single move inside, a double move outside, and a double move inside. So like a single move outside would literally be just like a speed release, right? A, a single move inside would be, all right, we always start with our inside foot up. So a single move inside for me would be I'm jabbing as if I'm going outside and then I'm just releasing inside. So just a one quick jab step and I'm gone. Now, if I want to go double move outside, it's going to be a, a one, two, and then I'm releasing outside. From double move inside, it's one, two, three, and I'm releasing inside. So <clears throat> that's all I teach. To me, everything else is about what I call taking up the slack, right? So taking up the slack means I don't want to make my move too far away from that defender. If that guy's three yards off, I got to take up that slack get up on his toes, and then I'm getting right into that same move, right? It might be a single move outside. It might be a double move outside, whatever it may be, whichever way I'm going. And then just teaching them angles, right? Always work half a man, things like that. But having a sense of urgency, don't waste time, you know, no false steps, um, gaining ground on that very first step of, uh, of your release, right? Not stepping backwards. So all of those things, man. And then don't be afraid of contact. It's okay for them to get their hands on you. The biggest thing is just know how to get them off. So that's uh, that, those are my biggest things there. Go ahead, Coach. When um you know when you are getting that press press look um and you have an inside shade or an outside shade, um are you attacking? Are you know you teaching receivers to attack that leverage that they're they're pressing with? Are you are you wanting to attack what they're trying to protect? I guess is what I'm saying. Or and and do you ever bring that back foot up so you can get that inside? a release uh, to get that lateral horizontal movement that you need quicker? Um, I have not taught to, to bring that back foot up. And the only way that I personally would probably teach that is if I felt like a guy was having some trouble in getting off the line because he was long in his stance. Um, so I, I haven't had to do that yet. Um, but I do think that that is very, very uh, important and a viable tool that can be used. Um, I always ask the guys, I say, okay, he's playing you inside shade. Why is he playing you inside shade? He doesn't want you to go inside, right? So any type of move that I give him to go inside, he's going to respect it. He's probably going to overreact to it. So understanding that, I don't want to try to widen off the line thinking he's going to really overplay me out. He wants me to go that way, right? So understand that and understand that I want to stay nice and tight. So if I'm trying to get back inside, Right. Let's just say I'm running the slant and I want to sell like I'm running a go. I don't want to run way over to the side. I want to push more vertical, stay tight to him. Right. Give him something at the line to get him off of his to get him to move his feet um, and don't make his job easy on. Him, right. I think a, I think a speed release should be a change up, you know, not a not your first move. Right. I think you should always give him something to think about at the line. And then. Now he starts getting used to, okay, now I'm away for his move. I'm away for his move. And then, boom, all of a sudden, this speed release. Caught him off guard. Now he's gone, right? That'll get him on his heels a little bit. But just understand the leverage, man. And I always start off by, by having a guy five yards off. And I'll say, okay, we're – anticipate. I don't know if you can see me, but I'll, I'll hold my hand up literally like this, and I'll say, okay, run at my hand. Right, if I'm playing cover two and this is outside, this is a sideline, I'll say, hey, run in my hand. If you run at this guy's outside hand, he has to do one of two things. He's either going to stay where he is and give you a nice little run up the sideline, or he's got to move his feet and get off of his line, which he's going to be uncomfortable in doing. So we'll call that stretch and slip or just, you know, outside release, just stretch him and go. Um, 
And so then I take that same mindset as I move that guy closer and closer and closer. Now you're just not taking up the slack. It may just be a one quick jab step that way just to move them right, in the direction that you want them to go and things like that. So that's kind of my progression of teaching it. Not to say that that's uh, the right way or the only way, um, but that's that's kind of my philosophy about it. I, I start them off further away and then I'll inch up and I'll inch up and I'll inch up and say, we got to move the finish. Because if I'm doing him a favor, if I run right at his nose, I'm playing right into his into his strength. He's going to sit there, be flat-footed, get really physical with me, and it's not going to be a good outcome most of the time, right? You have to make a what I call a right-hand turn or a left-hand turn to get around them, which, again, is just wasting time in your route. Now you're getting jammed up in all of those things. Just to build on, I think this might be a good progression. So after the release, you always see a big problem with wideouts uh, cutting their route short you know, like on a free release, let's say it's a 10-yard route of whatever kind, and they're breaking on the defender that might be sitting at nine or something like that. And that's a huge problem. And coaching that, getting through that defender and breaking at the proper depth, kind of what are some coaching points there? What are, what are some tools you use for that? Yeah, uh, it's a problem you have every day. Good <laughs> day. But um, just, just tell them, never let the defender dictate your depth. Never let him dictate what you what you do, right? So we'll call it it's a push. We I say push through. So push through his shoulder, like push through. Like if we're running a corner route, right? They're playing catch technique at eight yards, but I got to get to twelve yards in my corner. If I get to eight, just break in front of him, I'm doing him a favor, right? So I'll say, man, reset, or I'll say reset your stem. So push through, reset your stem, get back vertical to get his hips to open up, right? Get his hips to open up. Now I can lean and put my foot in the ground and go. Same thing if it's a curl route, right? Get him to think you're running vertical. Every DB in America is scared to get beat deep for a touchdown. So make him respect that, right? Don't play into his hands. And again, it's about getting on getting on his edge. Don't run right down the middle of him. Make him uncomfortable, you know, all of those things. So that's an ongoing issue, I think, at every single level of, um, you know, guys cutting their roster because they feel like they got a clock in their head and I got to hurry up and get out. No, you got you got more time than you think. You got more time than you think. And I think that's something you just got to continually preach and continually show them on film, right? You show them on film, they do it one time and it works. Then it's like, okay, then, then that's when it clicks. But until they do it, they probably won't really understand it or they got to see somebody else do it. So anytime I get those clips, man, I try to pull them off so I can reference back to them and show them, all right, this is what I want it to look like. This is what it should look like um, and all those things. Great question. So for, you, so for you guys, if you're finishing ahead, the Kyle. curl, sorry, Coach Penrod. No, go ahead. Coach Penrod is a wide receiver specialist. <laughs> That's his thing. Um, get to go off Kyle then, so if I'm going to my break, you said you run curls and, and things like that a lot. Are your final steps two smalls and then get into your break, or, or what do you guys coach at the top of that route? All right, so in a perfect world, right, <laughs> we want a, a three-step process, right? So it's one, two, three, and I'm out. In a perfect world. Um, that won't always happen. Some guys are four, some guys are five. So when I'm doing that drill that I was telling you about with the two big bags, I'm literally standing at the top and I'm coaching them on body posture, body language, um, you know, keeping nice natural arm flow. Don't start putting turn signals on, right? Doing things like raising up and down or bringing my arms away from my body. I don't teach beating the drum at the top. I'm like, very, very against that um, for the simple reason of this, right? So, like, 
I never ran track, right? But uh, anytime I went and I did some speed training with a track coach, the first thing that we worked on was arms. Because they say your arms, or excuse me, your, your legs follow your arms, right? Your feet follow your arms. So if I'm there and I'm at the top of the route and I'm beating my drum and I got really, really fast hands, then my feet are going to be really, really choppy. Right now, yes, you do need to shorten those steps, but I don't want it to be super choppy. Now, when I start off, I try to teach them one thing at a time because I don't want them thinking about a million things. Um, so I'll tell them, hey, yeah, in a perfect world, it's got to be three steps. But I, I really focus on that very last step, that third step per se, right? And I, I call that a punch step. And the thing that I coach the most, and I got this term from one of these sessions, but um, the term is, is ankle lie. Right. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, but obviously if we're running a curl, right, we want to break off of our outside foot. All right. So if I'm on the left-hand side, the quarterback's to my right, I get to the top, I'm breaking off of my left foot. All right. So on my left foot, I'm thinking about my inside ankle bone. Right. Imagine that there's a little eyeball right there. All right. So I have to turn my foot at an angle to where that eye is looking exactly where I want to go. Right. So if I'm going back to the quarterback, my foot's going to be about a 45 degree angle. It's got to turn a little bit. Right. So that that eye is looking right at the quarterback. Now I can push off that outside foot and it allows me to get back to the quarterback nice and smooth, you know, without rounding the top. If I leave that foot straight ahead, I'm going to end up cutting off of my inside foot most likely um, just because it's kind of impossible for that foot to be straight ahead and then me to go right back to the quarterback at a at a 45 degree angle right my hips I know my hips don't work like that um so that's the thing that I, I coach the most and I stress that and I stress that and I stress that um and then you know once they start to understand that boom 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 and they do it so many times repetition 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 they know when they are taking too many steps to get out right they can feel it they can feel it. I say man in a perfect world I want it to be three you know sometimes it is three sometimes it's four right Every once in a while, it's five. Um, but I, I found that, like, really focusing on that very last step and, and, and that punch step and pushing off that outside foot and then coming out of it has kind of been more beneficial in taking care of the whole three-step process than me saying, hey, it's one, two, three, and out. Because when you say one, two, three, and out, or when I've said one, two, three, and out to a lot of guys, they start trying to count those steps, and then they're like, oh, shoot, I'm on that third step. I got to – and they kind of pause at the top. And then try to come out of it. So I had a freshman that did that earlier in the year. And that's when I stopped. I said, look, man, I don't care if it takes you 12 steps. I just want to see you on that very last step, push off of it, come back to the quarterback. And it was like a light came on in his head. And then all of a sudden, he just got better and better and better. Now, we did the drill every daggone day. So he should have gotten better at it. But um, that was that's always been my communication at the top. Um, and then, obviously, if I'm running a stop route where I'm coming right back down my stem, I got to turn that foot a little bit more. Right. If I'm running a dig route, all right, now my foot can be more straight ahead because, again, that eye is looking straight down the line. So ankle eye, that's a big one for me. Um, I call that last step a punch step. Everybody's got their different buzzwords and things like that. But uh, that's my big thing there. Last one for me. Oh, I'm sorry, Coach. Did you have one, Coach Penrod? No, okay. go ahead. I was, okay. It was kind of – it was in that same realm he hit it. Thank you. Awesome. I, uh, you mentioned the speed cuts versus square square cuts. 
And I know a lot of teams kind of debate back and forth, whether you're all speed cuts, you're all square cuts or both. As a quarterback, I know it's tough as far as speed cuts and staying consistent with each specific receiver. So I'm just kind of curious on how Cincinnati handles that and kind of which routes are which and how you how you organize that. So it, it, we got a dig route, right? 16-yard dig route that we'll run from the field and we'll run one from the boundary. Um, my personal opinion is if I'm a slot receiver, right, and I'm running the 12-yard basic route, square cut it. Because mm-hmm. you square cut that thing because you can um, you can throttle it in a hole, you know, things like that. You don't want to come out all out of, out of control. You'll get in the window too fast. Right now, as a general term, now last year, I didn't really say much about it. I just said 16-yard dig, and I kind of gave him some freedom. Um, this year, and I was kind of laughing as you were asking me because we were having this conversation um, like last week. But I think as a general rule, what I'm going to use, or I am going to use this as a general rule, if we're coming from the field, you can speed turn it. If you're coming from the boundary, I want you to square turn it because I feel like if they speed turn it into the boundary, they're going to get into that window too fast. We want to catch that ball before we get to the half. Now coming from the field, obviously you've got a lot more time, a lot more space. So I think that's where it's more appropriate for a speed turn. Now there may be some situations, right? Where, you know, a guy's um, high and outside of me, and instead of me breaking down and, and square cutting it from the boundary, I may speed or I may push off that foot, right? So the, the main coaching point is about them being friendly to the quarterback, nice and flat um, and, and all of that stuff and pushing their depth you know, the main things. But as a general rule, what I'm going to say is I want square cuts from the boundary, speed cuts from the field, and then kind of roll from there. Now, I won't overcoach that. Um, now, I've been in some offenses where they said everything's a speed cut. And I've been in some where they say everything's a square cut because it helps the quarterback. So we don't really have a set way that we particularly have wanted it here. Um, but I think it'll time up better for what we do by having that square cut from the boundary and the, and the speed turn from the field. Now, I came from running all speed turns on everything. But, um, you know, speed turns are a hard thing to, to get down. It's a hard thing to, to learn. So. Hey, Coach, as you, um, as you deal with more of the, the track and speed coach, um, what I've kind of found out in my experience is the more I deal with them, the more they kind of get me back to the board on my biomechanics and my receivers sometimes, you know, making sure toes up, knee drives up. Um, ha- have, you, have you dealt with that? And, and, and what um, differences maybe have you, like, added to your, your receivers, making sure they're getting knee drive and, you know, toes up? What, what kind of speed development, biomechanics stuff have you changed over the years? You know, I haven't. I haven't really even, even touched that. And maybe I should. You know, I, I've never really even thought about it. So, to me, I'm like, man, that's kind of out of my realm. So, we got, like – Again, because I'm only going to speak on stuff that I'm confident. I never ran track, and I ran a four six five, so I ain't trying to tell nobody how to, you know, run, whatever. But, um, you know, we, we got our strength and conditioning coaches that do a lot of speed work, and they work a lot on their technique and things like that. So I want to – I always want to make sure there's a consistent message, right? I'm going to let that, that strength and conditioning coach do what he does. That's what he gets paid to do. He'll coach him and coach him and coach him off of that. 
I'm going to coach them off of technique, right? Top of the route and, you know, body posture, body language on their routes. Now, if there's stuff where they're like dragging their feet at the top of the route, so that's my route. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, they do all that speed work in the off season and things like that. So I kind of, I kind of steer clear of it because I don't, you know, I don't want to mess with that. I don't, you don't want to mess with strength coaches. I get it. I got you. Yeah, right. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, a quick question. Uh, apologize, I came in late. I was actually doing some drills with my boys earlier when I tried to get to the meeting. But uh, just wanted to see if uh, I know you said you played some quarterback too. I want to know, like, what kind of drills I guess you you did to get get yourself prepared to you know handle different situations as far as you know your mechanics and uh, situational type of things that help you get better during the, during your play as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, we did a lot of a lot of footwork drills. Oh man, I played for so my quarterbacks coach is actually the quarterbacks coach now at Clemson, man, Brandon Streeter, and he's a freaking genius, man. He's really, really good. But we did a, a lot of, of footwork, a lot of rush avoid stuff, you know, always having yourself moving your back foot in the pocket. Now I know some people teach it different now, but back when I was playing, it was always move your back foot. To, to reset yourself in the pocket. And the idea behind that was, so you're always ready to throw, right? If I'm stepping forward, I step on my back foot, I can plant, I can throw. Um, but resetting in the pocket, pocket movement, throwing on the run, mechanics, shortening my motion. I had a big thing where, where I was dropping back. And again, this is for me, and I have not studied quarterback, so you can take this with a grain of salt. But I always brought the ball from like right in the middle of my chest and I had a big wind up. And what, what happened for me was it had me inconsistent in my accuracy. So I had to push the ball back to my back, my back peck a little bit, right? Still keeping that, you know, everything nice and tight and things like that. But having that ball back here kind of made me more consistent. So I think um, consistent mechanics was a, was a big thing, having consistent mechanics both in your lower body and your upper body. And then we did a ton of visualization stuff, man. Um, situational visualization things and like before the games he would have he would turn the he would turn the lights off um in the meeting room half the time I fall asleep but uh he'd turn the lights off in the meeting room and he kind of read through some of the uh the openers right or well he'll go through the openers and then he'll go through some of our third down calls and he'll give situations he'll say uh what's up buddy he'll say all right man it's you know it's third down we call this play right and i'm visualizing in my head and then he'll say we got you know cover three hey stop we got cover three you know what's your read what's, what are you going through so we're playing the game in our head or we're going through the game in our head. we'll literally do that for about 20 or 25 minutes um during that you know during that week of practice and then you know mental reps man mental reps when i'm not in you know seeing what other guys do seeing what they're seeing asking a bunch of questions was big for me but the mental part of the game, understand the situation, having discipline to know the down and distance, excuse me, at all times, know the situation of the game, um, and then understand your progression, right? And then your footwork and how that times up with your progression um, was was awesome. Some big things that I can remember from those days. But uh, he drove the mess out of us on that stuff, man. Well, thanks, man. Good job.
I know we talked a lot about physical stuff, but uh, from a mental standpoint, you know, if we took you back to 2015, you, know, you got that phone call about coaching. You said you wasn't ready yet. You know, you did the last year with the Panthers. You know, what kind of went through your mind when you said this is it? I mean, obviously you hear about a lot of guys, see a lot of guys that just keep going, waiting for that chance. And, you know, I know some guys that are 40 years old that still think they're going to get a call today. <laughs> you know, I, I was um, – I had a unique – career and I, I had a very very unique career and um you know this was hard for me to say for for a very long time but um you know I think I I got to a point where I got too comfortable in my situation when I was in Jacksonville and you know that's something I'm gonna have to live with for the rest of my life and um <clears throat> so I'll give you a little bit of background so I got to Jacksonville man I, I was a so they got the drafted guys and they got the the, whatever you call them, the preferred free agents um, that they sign right after the draft. And then in order for them to have a rookie mini camp, they bring in a, a certain number of tryout guys. So I was a tryout guy, um, ended up, you know, having a good little rookie mini camp and they signed me to the 90 man roster. And then, you know, I ended up some kind of way making the team. I'll tell you, man, I had, I had two catches for like 16 yards in the preseason and I muffed two punts. In some kind of way, I made the team. So I was on practice squad my first year for the first 14 weeks and got moved up um, the last two weeks. Um, and then my second year, I played a bunch. Right? So I ended up having, you know, 400 and some yards receiving and had two touchdowns. And then my last year there in 2014, we drafted uh, two receivers in the second round. I think we drafted a – Oh, and then we had a, a free agent guy who ended up having a better preseason and season than both of those guys. So it was obviously getting a little bit crowded in the room, right? So I was the undrafted guy. We had one guy who had almost 1,000 yards, and then we had another kid that we had drafted in the fourth round the year before. So a lot of guys were in there. But I was I was one of the – you know, I quickly – by the time I was in my third year, like we were terrible. We, we won nine games in three years. but there was a lot of turnover in our room, right? So a lot of guys coming in, coming out. And um, I was fortunate enough to, to hang on. And I became a veteran <laughs> as a third-year player. I was the oldest guy in the room at one point. And uh, that was my role. And, you know, we got to a point where I was basically just coaching. You know, like I, I was – I played in the first four games. We had a guy that was suspended. And then he came back the fifth game. I dressed out for one more game, and then I never dressed out again. Um, and then, like, the last three weeks of the season, they cut me and put me down on practice squad again. So um, during that time, I kind of lost my, my drive a little bit. You know, I lost my passion because it didn't matter what I did in practice. You know, I wasn't – it's not like I was going to earn more playing time, right? Like – we got two second round guys that were balling. <laughs> we got another guy that was undrafted that was balling. You know, all those guys are playing well. And I was always prepared. I was always ready. I always, you know, I was always coming to work. Um, but it kind of it kind of took away from my fire. And I always said, man, once I get to that point, I'm, I'm not doing right by the game, you know. So then I had an opportunity to have a little bit of a change of scenery. You know, change of scenery kind of gives you a little bit of juice. Um, went to Carolina. 
had the best preseason I had had the whole time I was in the NFL and then got cut. And I didn't get any calls the rest of that season, right? So I'm thinking to myself, I said, well, look, man, I can sit around and probably get into another camp and uh, go through this all again, maybe make the team, maybe not, right? Um, but I'm getting to that point where, like, it's going to be tough. Um, and so for me, it was like I knew I wanted to be a coach. I knew I wanted to be a coach. I knew – I said I'm 20 – I think I was 28 years old. Like, I'm 28 years old, man, 27 years old, whatever I was. Say, man, I can go and chase this thing for a couple of years, sit there and, and waste a lot of money, um, or I can just go ahead and invest that into my coaching, right? And so, like I said, I kind of lost that – a little bit of that fire at that time and um, had a good opportunity to get in. So everything just kind of lined up for me. Um, and I was going through it during that time. But don't get me wrong, through that whole season, it was rough. You know, I was a block and a half, living a block and a half from the Panthers Stadium, listening to the crowd roar every Sunday. But, uh, you know, it was a rough pass. But by the end of the season, I, I kind of came to the realization, like, if ain't nobody called the rest of this season, then it's probably time to move on. So, you know, I ended up saying, man, let's go. Let's go after this coaching thing. You know, I assumed I would have to, you know, go GA for a couple of years. And I'm like, I'll be 30, 30 years old, you know, by the time I'm really getting started. So. I think it just timed up for me well. Things kind of fell into place for me, and um, that's what kind of all transpired, man. So I know that was kind of a long-winded answer to your question. but No, no, I appreciate that. That's a lot of respect for that. So thank you. Yeah. Do you see yourself uh, possibly getting to that NFL level as a coach, wide receiver coach or anything? Um, I'll never say never, but um, it, it never was a goal of mine. Um, I never was interested in it until last year when I was sitting there with no job. So I never even like thought, thought about it. So the reason that I got into coaching was specifically because I wanted to impact young men at the age that I'm at right now, right? 18 to 22 years old, where I think it's one of the most important times, you know, transitioning, you're out of mama's house and now you're transitioning, getting ready for the real world, right? So I thought that was like, that's always been kind of like my passion and, and what I wanted to do. And the NFL, again, with my experience, because we were terrible, we've cut people every single week. And so I'm thinking if I'm the coach there, like, what kind of impact am I able to have on a dude who comes here and is here for two weeks? And I literally, like, we had times where our receiver coach would show up to the meeting and be like, where's so-and-so? And we'd be like, oh, you didn't know he got cut. You know, so he's just got to coach the guys that, that he has. Now, I think he did a great job, and, you know, I think that there's ways to do it. Um, but to know that you got a guy for four years, more than likely, right? In most cases, you got a guy for four years, five years that's going to be at your school. Um, you know, if you're lucky to hold, enough, hold on to your job long enough, um, you know, you, you just get more time to, to really mentor those guys and kind of prepare them and, and things like that. So that's what's, draw, that's what's all, that's my reason for getting in. Um, so I'm not going to say I would never pursue the NFL because I, I really, thought hard about really just going after it and um, I think it would be I think it would be neat you know to kind of get around the game at the highest level and um, you know be in those positions but I don't know we'll see we'll see where what happens 
What's up, guys? I appreciate you making it all the way through the episode. Like I said, it's a valuable episode. Coach Brown really shed some knowledge on his career, some technique. Um, I want to ask you guys if you want any more value. Uh, if you feel like you're getting value from me and Platform Sports League, f- please feel free to check out PlatformSportsLeague.com. Keep, keep tabs on what's what I'm doing, what's going on with PSL. We got... Um, actual sport league we got a seven on seven league going on right now middle school here in indianapolis um some articles coming out some videos on the youtube channel go check us out there subscribe share um i really appreciate you guys stay tuned we'll keep this thing going man take care